0: MuggleCast28 for February 19th, 2006. GoDaddy hosting plans are now more powerful than ever. Best of all, plans start at just $3.95 per month. No matter what plan you choose, your site receives 24-7 maintenance and protection in the GoDaddy.com world-class data center. I use them for my personal website, AndrewSims.com and I know that GoDaddy has some of the best affordable hosting plans online. I recommend you use them for your upcoming website or podcast because as a MuggleCast listener, enter the code Muggle that's M-U-G-G-L-E when you check out and save an additional 10% on any order. Get your piece of the Today at GoDaddy.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of MuggleCast. This is the show where we bring you the latest in Harry Potter news, theories, discussions, whatever you want, all bundled into a little hour of your time. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Kevin Steck.
1: I'm Laura Thompson.
0: And joining us this week for the first time ever, Laura's excited because it is another girl on the show. Yes. Rachel Godoy, MuggleNet content. Extraordinaire, welcome thank rachel thank you
2: very much <laughs>
0: wait no laura it, it was rachel's turn to talk
2: wait that's me no that was rachel
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> you you, oh. you guys sound a little no, like we yeah okay. everyone cool.
1: everyone said guys that, write rachel. to andrew yes you do <laughs> andrew at staff okay. and tell him that rachel and i do not sound alike
0: uh on second thought uh please don't uh, who, <laughs> who was that talking
2: be quiet i can't <laughs> even tell <laughs> no,
0: i'm kidding before we go anywhere else, first let's check in with Micah for the past week's top Harry Potter news stories.
3: Thanks, Andrew. Some Order of the Phoenix casting news. Afshana Zad, the actress who plays Padma Paddle, has now confirmed in an interview with Manchester Online that she's coming back for the fifth movie. Her twin sister, Parvati Paddle, will be played by Shafali Choudhury. And John Cleese, the actor who portrayed Nearly Headless Nick in the first two films, has been rumored to be returning for Order of the Phoenix, but nothing has yet been confirmed. Ivana Lynch's mother and sister sat down with a local radio show in Ireland to discuss the casting process Ivana went through to be cast as Luna Lovegood and her personality in general. You can listen to the five-minute interview over on MuggleNet.com. Speaking of movies for our international audience, a list of release dates have been posted on MuggleNet.com for when the Goblet of Fire DVD will be released in various countries across the globe. Don't forget voting for the 2006 AOL MoviePhone MovieGo Awards is still open. Nominations are in the areas of Movie of the Year, Goblet of Fire, Actor of the Year, Dan Radcliffe, Actress of the Year, Emma Watson, Best Scene Stealer, Brendan Gleeson, and vilest villain, Rory Fiennes. The winners will be announced February 28th. The written version of the Black Family tree that J.K. Rowling recently donated to Boogie International will go up for auction this Tuesday, February 21st. The Italian newspaper La Repubblica has now published a complete photo of the tree, which includes more details on the family. However, at J.K.R.'s request, some parts have been blurred out so as not to give away too much information. And the Spanish translation of Half-Blood Prince will be released this Thursday, February 23rd at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Finally, an official announcement was made last week that our next Leaky Mug Live podcast is set for July 29th with a tentative 6:30 p.m. start time at the JW Marriott in Las Vegas, Nevada. Attendees who are registered for Lumos 2006 will be given seating preference at the event. That's all the news for this February 19th, 2006 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show.
0: All right, thank you, Mike Atan. Uh, first of all, let's let's welcome Kevin Steck back to the show. He's been off for two weeks. Two weeks? Uh, you mean, like, three, what, three or four Maybe now? three weeks.
4: Well, you haven't done voicemails for two weeks. Yeah, that's true. Where, where have you been, Mr. Steck? I've been busy with school. I've been, uh, <laughs> overwhelmed. I'm sorry, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> school. Yeah. Okay. I'm taking Moving on. I'm taking 20 credits. You have to give me some uh, leeway here. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Moving on to some announcements now.
0: As we said recently, uh, registration for Lumos was running out, and now it is completely sold out. The convention is 100% filled up. That means that we're going to be in for a lot of fun. Um, But one important thing to remember is that if you still want to go to the live podcast that we're going to be doing at Lumos, Las Vegas, 2006, at the end of July, you can still come and see the show, but it's going to be a first-come, first-served basis For those who are already registered, then they're going to let those who haven't registered. Don't forget that we're going to post a page very soon with all the latest info about MuggleCast Live in Las Vegas uh, on MuggleCast.com. That'll be in a few weeks. In other news, the Create Your Own MuggleCast segment is now closed. We received 20 to 30 entries. We haven't listened to them yet. Basically, people created their own MuggleCast segments, and the best one chosen by us, will be aired on our show. And Runners Up will be aired later on. We might put a whole show together of just user-submitted segments. The winner will be announced next week on episode 29. That's the February 26th show. And the winners will be receiving a MuggleCast t-shirt. Everyone who participated in creating the segment will win a MuggleCast t-shirt. And will have their segment aired, like I already said. And Laura?
1: Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to Noah from Georgia who sent me his bands. Um, I believe it's their first CD, the Warp Tones. And I just wanted to say, Noah, I had a great time listening to your CD. It's, uh, all the songs are on my iPod. And I just think it's really cool that you're doing something like this. You guys have exhibited loads of potential and talent. And I'm looking forward to seeing where you go. So good job. The reason that came so late, because you sent it in December, is because Ben can't manage the P.O. box, so I apologize on Ben's behalf.
0: <laughs> uh,
4: that's why he's not here this week, Laura.
0: I <laughs> punished him for yeah, you.
1: good. He's in the corner. Now he's...
4: No, he's in the mailroom, sorting all the mail for five months. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: one last thing, we've been getting a lot of emails on this, and there is some concern. Um, On HarryPotter.com, a few of you noticed that if you go mouse over media, there's a new button that Uh, says Podcasts, which suggests, and which we now know is to be... Harry Potter. A Harry Potter podcast that is being developed by Warner Brothers. And so we got emails from people saying, well, what the heck? Um, are you guys going to cancel your show now? No. And the answer is, well, I was going to say yes, but if you don't want to, then no. <laughs> <laughs> we're not, no, we're not going to cancel the show. It will still be just as exciting as ever. Um Honestly, I think we should be flattered that Warner Brothers is doing a podcast, because between MuggleCast and PotterCast, we've created quite the Harry Potter podcasting phenomenon. Yeah. And without all the shows that have been created now, I really don't think Warner Brothers would have ever considered it.
1: Yeah, I think there was definitely some influence there.
0: Yeah. Now, what are they going to have on the show? Probably some good stuff. Yeah, I would (laughs) guess
4: interviews and stuff like that. How are they going to approach it? Do you think that... They're going to have adult hosts or kids hosts. Oh, it'll or?
0: definitely be hosts. Adult hosts. Are now, you sure? Yeah.
4: Who are they going to have do it? They could. They could be like the Disney Channel, where they get all the kids to oh
0: like my God. do all the reports. Yeah, but the Disney Making podcasts are quotes. not hosted by children. Oh,
4: that's just <laughs> yeah. because they're unreliable.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. We would
0: like have done it. I don't
4: want to do a podcast.
0: Yeah. Uh, but seriously, uh, we look forward to seeing what they're they going to be doing. We don't think it's going to be... Well, I don't think it's going to be like a weekly thing. No. I think it's going to be like a nice Order the Phoenix promotional podcast. I'm sure that... Yeah, they'll have interviews like someone else just said. That was um, me. But
1: it's not like every show is going to be hosted by Harry Potter stars.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the effect on MuggleCast will be very minimum. Um we're kind of hoping that they're going to have a little section that says, Other Harry Potter podcasts, <laughs> and we're going to be right there. <laughs> Please, <laughs> Warner Brothers. <laughs> uh, Please. Uh, we'll link back come to you. On, you know you love us. Yeah. No. <laughs> so we look forward to that. Uh, thank you for your concern, though. But we'll, we'll be okay. We got a lot on the show this week, including the return of voicemails. Thanks to me. <laughs> Finally! <laughs> Thanks to Kevin. I didn't want to blame you, but... If you insist, we will. (laughs) Uh... But first, let's get to our main discussion this week, which is our continuing series on a specific character in the Harry Potter series. This week is Minerva McGonagall. So some basic info here. She is 71 years old, according to the official Harry Potter timeline. She is a member of the Gryffindor House, and her distinguishable characteristics her square frame glasses and her black hair pulled back severely into a bun she is a registered animagus with her animal form being a tabby cat now let's get on to some questions that we have thought up here Uh, a few of these were submitted by Terry who suggested doing McGonagall in a future episode so thank you to her Uh, one of the first questions is what is her purpose as an animagus we saw it in Sorcerer's Stone she was spying on Harry on Harry and the Dursleys.
1: Yeah, but that was what was that her specific purpose? I mean, I doubt no, that she no, became an I'm, animagus so, just I, to do right. that.
0: I'm I'm saying that one purpose that she's mm-hmm. found of it is to
4: be able to spot. But her well, purpose yeah. as an animagus, like her, I mean, I don't think that anyone becomes an animagus with a single purpose in mind. Yeah, I think I it's think just it's a more for thing. the. <laughs> yeah, it's more for the ability than the.
0: Uh... Oh, so wh- why why can she use this ability for spying? Anything else? I don't
4: know. It seems like a bizarre question. Like I think
1: multiple that would just purposes. be. I mean, it's, it's just, her. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't think there's any specific purpose she had in mind. It's just help. What
0: are her characteristic ties to the goddess Minerva? Well, we
1: know that Minerva was the goddess of crafts and wisdom, and she's also known as the warrior goddess. Uh, Zeus is her father, which suggests that whoever her father was might have some sort of high place and power, or had. I doubt he's alive anymore, but he could have been high up in the wizarding world. We also know, and this was kind of something that I found interesting... Uh, the goddess Minerva assisted uh, the hero Perseus, I believe that's how you pronounce it, to kill the Medusa. And um, basically she told Perseus to look at Medusa's reflections so that he could dehead her. Which I found kind of interesting because of the whole tie to the basilisk and stuff. Even though Minerva didn't really have anything to do with that. And um, Perseus gave the head to Minerva, and she used it on her shield to turn her enemies to stone. And I kind of attributed that to the fact that Minerva sort of has this expression that when she puts it on, the students kind of freeze because they're all a little intimidated by her. So. Maggie Smith
0: does a good job of this in the movies. I think she was a
4: perfect choice for the role. I agree. Yeah, I do too. I, she, I think she has that eye, and she's one of she's like one of those characters that they actually got correct. You know, like, mm-hmm. not many people have complaints about them.
0: Well, they got almost all the characters cracked. Nobody really complains about I, the characters. I, I don't know if they got mm, I see
1: crack. a lot of complaining. Yeah. Especially really? about the trio. I,
0: <laughs> well, we'll have to save that for complaints. another episode. <laughs> now, is she or pure blood?
4: Ooh. Any proof behind this i, mean, I don 't think, think they 've really ever assume. mentioned it, yeah they, and would that really matter? I, I mean.
1: think a lot of people tend to assume that Minerva and others like her are pure blood just because they just have such a knowledge of the wizarding world, and they tend to dress like wizards, but i don 't think that would matter because if she 's seventy one and she was muggle born, she would have picked up the wizarding habits by now, so i i don 't know if we can know for sure should it matter i don't think
2: it matters. I don't think it should matter if she's pure blood or not, <laughs> in my honest opinion.
0: <laughs> not really. No, uh-uh. I mean... Not unless
2: you're Draco Malfoy. No, exactly. If you're that kind, then yeah, it does matter. But
1: I think that, like Hermione, it just it doesn't matter because Hermione is one of the best witches in school. Yet she's Muggle born, so I think it just goes to show that. It doesn't matter what your background is. Exactly.
0: Now, one question uh, that someone asked was, um, she's mentioned to have been teaching at Hogwarts um, in Order of the Phoenix 39 years this December. Um, and the question is, why would she start teaching in December? Uh, by But my initial thought is, well,
4: another teacher just dropped out or something happened. Yeah. It was probably no yeah. big deal. It's probably no big deal, but it's possibly a big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... That could be one of those things that she's saving for another time. Maybe in the war or something that happened. I don't know. I mean, it's sort of like uh, Dumbledore and... What's that other wizard's name? Um,
1: Grindelwald?
4: Grindelwald. Every... You know, she mentioned it, but never mentioned it again, and it's supposed to be a big deal, so...
1: Well, do we know if Dumbledore went straight from being... Um the transfiguration teacher to headmaster
4: no we don't we don't really know because if
1: that's what happened then it's always possible that he just became headmaster midterm and mm, hired her did that
4: happen around the same time as grindelwald grindelwald i can't even pronounce it
1: he defeated grindelwald in 1945 correct i think that that's around the same time tom riddle went to hogwarts
4: that could be possible as well there could be a parallel between that but i don't know i think the it's like Andrew said the most likely
1: Scenario situation. is that another teacher yeah. left.
4: Exactly. Or died or something happened to them. But there's always room for speculation. For all we know, that other uh, teacher was Grindelwald.
1: Ooh. Ooh. I like
0: that. She's not in the photograph that Moody shows Harry in Order of the Phoenix. Uh, it's a picture of the original Order of the Phoenix. Now, why couldn't she have been working for the first Order in the First War and... Why is she in the Order now? I don't think in Order of the Phoenix we really saw much
4: participation
0: from Well,
1: her. she was showing up at meetings and stuff.
4: Yeah, but that's a lot like Hagrid as well. Because mm-hmm. we didn't see any participation, yeah. but for all we know, she was one of the most active members. You know?
1: Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, and,
0: and Hagrid seems like a good go-to guy. Like, for simple things. Yeah, guests.
4: but but just, my point is is that People make assumptions that just because we didn't see them actively participating in certain order tasks means that they weren't, you know what I mean?
1: Also, I think that she's keeping a close eye on it because if you'll remember in Order of the Phoenix when Hedwig got hurt and Harry took her out of whichever class he was in, I think it was History of Magic, and he ran into McGonagall and she was basically telling him you know, giving him the hint that owls were being intercepted and stuff, and that Umbridge had probably been the one who injured her trying to intercept the letter.
4: And I've always imagined McGonagall as sort of like Dumbledore's heir, like the one where he passes down all his stuff to, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like, sort of like Dumbledore is her mentor. Maybe I'm I'm getting that incorrectly, you know, it's just, I just get that feeling from No, her. it made
0: sense. I mean, what what was everyone's initial thoughts when Dumbledore died? Who's going to take over? And oh, McGonagall! It's the exactly. perfect choice. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: except for those yeah. of us who think Dumbledore's still alive, Andrew.
0: No, I'm still mixed on that. Oh, I'm still okay. mixed on that.
1: I don't think that. I think a lot of people would oh, look no. at that and try to say, "Oh, she was a Death Eater" and all this other no. stuff. No, I think it's <laughs> just I, with,
3: <laughs>
4: she was not a Death Eater. No, anyone no, who no. says that, I think
1: is. it's almost. I kind of, whenever I think about the first war, I almost think about it in the same sense as the second war that people either didn't know or didn't believe that Voldemort was around. It could just be a lack of information.
4: Well, it could also be that she was just dealing with her own problems. I mean, it,
1: Mm -hmm.
4: it was a war, so everyone was on one side or the other, you know? You are either the... Or,
1: you know, she might not have been there when they took the picture. She could have been off doing something important. We don't know.
4: That's true, yeah.
0: And, I mean, she must have known Dumbledore because, as we just stated a few minutes ago, uh, she, she had taught for 39 years, and that would be way before the First yep. War. So then the next question is, what will her role in the Order become now that Dumbledore is gone? I'd imagine she'd... Well...
4: She could step up, but on the other hand, now she has a school to run. Yeah, but, but at the same time, that's what Dumbledore
0: I'm did. I'm not
1: sure who I could see taking Dumbledore's place, you know?
0: You don't think it's McGonagall? I would, no, no, no. I no, no. I'm see- saying. In, the, in order the order or at the school? Oh, on the order. Okay. Oh. In the
1: order. I'm not sure who I can see taking that honestly, kind of lead I, command I, position.
4: I've honestly always seen, like, Lupin there, to be honest. Just because he's one of the only Order members that is able to pull himself out of, like, um, the real world, kind of, because of his, his affliction. So it enables him to have more time to devote to the Order, you know?
1: I also think the Order is going to become more of a group leadership effort, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't see it having one specific head person anymore. That's
0: true. Although, I was just thinking that Dumbledore could have made it clear who would take over.
1: He might have.
4: In the event that someone... I would think I'm
1: sure he has some kind of will or something along those lines. Yeah, I
4: I think I've said that before. I mean, I doubt he just left, you know, them sitting in...
1: Yeah, I think I, I think he knew there was a great possibility that he could die.
4: But no, uh, Laura, you made a good point.
0: I think it would make sense that they'd all become a team rather than having just a leader.
1: And that might be what they need.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about McGonagall and Dumbledore because in the first chapter uh, on Privet Drive, she seems sort of out of the loop when finding out information from Dumbledore, um, but then she she's surprised that Dumbledore recognized her in animagus form says "Minerva," and you know she's like but well, whoa how do you know so how close or distant is their relationship together i think in the beginning and in, in harry's first year it definitely wasn't as close as it was
4: now
1: i think it's something yeah. that developed because of harry she's really. head of
4: house he's head of and, school and is that possible course- maybe that's a possible reason for why she wasn't in the Order at the time of the First War. Because, yeah, because if their Dumbledore relationship was be, strained, yeah, I mean, it's possible that... Seemed to be recruiting
1: that. people that he knew well. Yeah.
0: And in each book, she really steps it up in handling, like, Chamber secrets. Secrets. Uh, I'm not referring to the book, I'm referring to the actual problem with the Chamber Secrets. All these people getting petrified. And she steps yep. up. And this continued throughout the rest of the series. And none of this really happened before Harry got there. Any of these big events. So, yeah, they absolutely could have bonded together. Well,
1: that could go um straight into the whole theory. You know, do Dumbledore and McGonagall, did they have some sort of... Romantic interest in one another. Oh no. I doubt, I doubt it. Too. <laughs> I don't think so. But I know a lot of people
2: like the pairing. It was an
0: office it was an office relationship. No.
2: Yeah, I, I think so too. I don't think so, no. <laughs> yeah. But I've actually seen
1: quite a few fan fictions on that topic. Wow. Okay. Now what <laughs> <laughs> let's
4: get off that topic very fast. Rachel is blown away. Oh, she yeah. can't
0: imagine it. So, uh, what have we seen from her in terms of magical ability, besides her Animagus transformation? Well, she was fighting the Death
4: Eaters.
1: Stunned. She got stunned five times in the chest. And even Madame... uh, Who was it? Madame Pomfrey. Excuse me. I was thinking of the librarian for a moment. Um, She said that it wasn't every, you know, aging wizard that could take that many spells in the chest and come away from it. So, I think she's definitely... oh
2: pretty powerful. Also, I also think that the reason that McGonagall is so powerful is because um, her relationship with Dumbledore, you, you've got to learn a thing or two from him, I guess. You would assume so if you... Everybody yeah, um, does. I agree. Yeah, so I think that that's pretty much the reason why she's gotten... A, she's a pretty strong wizard because of that. She, um, she's she been with Dumbledore for quite some time now, so I guess it's developed as her, their relationship's developed, I guess, you would mm-hmm. think. I'm sure he's probably so, shown her a thing or two.
0: So yeah. she seems very devoted to Harry throughout the series. Um, any, any particular reason for this, Laura?
1: I think it's because she, was, she, she showed a considerate amount of sympathy at the fact that the Potters had been murdered. And I think that just being their teacher and seeing what kind of struggle their son has to go through, I think she wants to help him facilitate any of his dreams, goals, whatever she can.
4: Well, I was just gonna say that she seems like one of those all-around nice people. So it just seems like she sympathizes with his situation. I don't think it's any particular love of Harry. You know what I mean? Like, oh well, yeah, that, she, that's she's true. Built, she's she's very exactly. motherly. She, she built a relationship with him, but she. I don't think the initial, you know, helping was. For the fact that he was Harry Potter, you know, she just sympathized with his situation.
0: She she'd be that way. In other words, she'd be that way with any other character. Exactly.
4: Yeah. You I think?
2: Mean, well, in in the, in her well, house at least. She, I don't. I wouldn't think so. Like I think like her, in her house. Yeah, like I think her devotion to Harry can like it mirrors her. I guess her, maybe her relationships towards the Potters, uh, but I can't really see her being that way towards. Um, Ron, or even Hermione. I don't know. It just seems that it's something that she'd only do for Harry, in my opinion.
1: Well, and I think that she was fairly fond of them when they were. At yeah, they were. When, exactly. When she found out they were dead, she said, Lily and James, I can't believe it. She called them by their first names. It wasn't yeah. a last name basis like she tends to refer to her students as.
4: Yeah, but I still see her as a person who, if if any other student had their parents killed, she'd still be just as sympathetic and helpful I think
1: she's sympathetic, but at the same time she treats Harry like another look at Neville.
4: You know, Mm. I mean well, now that she built the relationship, yes, but what I'm saying is initially when she first met Harry, I think that she if if it was anyone else, she'd be just as sympathetic.
1: Well I think that she would definitely have some sympathy for the person but even if it were anyone else they're not the boy who lived and they're not the chosen one Harry is and he's got even a larger burden over anyone else who's lost their parents because he's the one who has to defeat Voldemort
4: I guess I just believe that she sees past that and- I
1: think that she I think I think she would definitely be helpful in in giving other students guidance
4: Well I think she'd be helpful as acting as a motherly figure to anyone who has lost she's their parents. She's definitely
1: a fairly stern motherly figure. She does it without, oh, without absolutely. being you know, but, unprofessional in a teacher. Exactly. sense. Exactly,
4: but, but that's what I'm saying. I, I believe that she's also professional in the sense that she offers sympathy when sympathy is mm-hmm. required. And if someone else lost both their parents, she'd treat them the same way as she treated Harry the first time.
2: I still stand by my word that McGonagall, I don't know, it's just more of a Harry thing towards her, and of course, she is um, motherly towards everyone, I guess, but I think there's just something.
4: So you think that, like, she's looking over Harry as sort of, she feels an obligation?
2: Yeah, as more of a son. Well, not really an obligation, but I don't know, like, it's weird, because like, when she talks about the Potters, it's like, it's, you see that she really did have some sort of really close relationship with them. So I guess she feels the need that she has to like protect Harry as her own. And yeah, well, I, I do agree with Kevin though. Like if it was anyone else who parents had died, she'd do the same, but
1: yeah, I agree. I, I think the the, the differing factor is that, like I said, Harry is the chosen one. He's the boy who lived. He's the one with this burden. And I think that's what makes a little bit of a difference in the way in the way she's trying to offer Harry guidance.
0: Now we've discussed this in the past, but is she definitely the new headmistress or just serving as a temporary role? Um I think we're on agreement. She's gonna be the, the headmistress. I
1: think so too. I, I would hope hope who so. else are they yeah. gonna put in that place? Although yeah. I'm I'm having terrifying thoughts of the ministry taking advantage of that. the fact yeah. that Dumbledore's yeah. gone and trying to shove someone back in there.
4: Yeah but At the same time, I don't think the ministry has... I think the ministry lost a lot of their power. Yeah, I think
1: so too. You
4: know. Absolutely. They lost a lot of their credibility, so now they're... Yeah,
1: but just because they've lost credibility, is that going to stop them from using their power? It may not
4: stop them, but...
1: People won't like it, basically. Exactly. People will protest.
4: You have to remember, exactly, the... The parents are sending their students to, you know, their kids to this school. If the parents don't like what's going on, they're going to vocalize. And I think that it's always been shown that the majority rules in the Wizarding world, and in this case, mm-hmm. it's going to be.
0: Although it may sound a little too political for the Harry Potter books, she's going to have to prove herself somehow. Do you think so? Yeah. Well, to the parents, who? Why would they trust this woman now? She's just
4: jumping in and out of nowhere unless Dumbledore. Yeah, but she's been a teacher at the school for so many years. And that means what? A lot. Anyone can but, be a
0: teacher, that doesn't mean you can run a school. But
4: I, I understand that, but there's quite a few quite a few superintendents are originally teachers.
1: Well, consider how close did your parents pay to various and True. assorted superintendents True. at your schools?
0: And were were these teachers, whoever became superintendents, ever in control of a school that was in danger of being Mm -hmm. massacred? Because my parents, they
1: they mainly pay attention to my teachers. Do you think, one, do you think that the
4: order is going to be like public knowledge now? And Mm. two, do you think that would be enough to convince them? I think the
1: order is going to remain more of an underground type thing. Obviously, it'll be public knowledge to some. But if too many people know about it, then
0: yeah, you yeah, they her, kind of yeah. lose their no good their could co- no good would come out of making it completely public.
4: But but I just think that the fact of her taking a stance on the Voldemort issue will have enough credibility. You know what I mean? If
0: you take a stance, that's fine. I I just think McGonagall will have to prove to parents that. The school will be safe, which is going to be a hard thing to do now.
1: I think it it'll be it'll definitely be a challenge for her. it
2: will be. But I think she's capable of showing what she's got, so I don't think th- I don't think it'll be a big problem. I like, I don't think it'll be a big issue in the book for parents to be worried. It'll be like really small, and then people will be like, okay.
1: How much of that are we going to see? Because Harry says he's not going back
2: to Hogwarts. Exactly. If we even do see Hogwarts.
0: That question always comes back to haunt (laughs) us. (laughs) And now, is she going to be working closely with uh, the trio in a way that Dumbledore did? Dumbledore helped Harry out a lot.
4: I don't think so. I don't know.
1: I don't think so either. Maybe
4: in the sense of occasionally helping, but I don't think that any of the Order will play a vital role in the trio's... Searching for the horcrux and all that stuff. Well, I think it's. <laughs> I use horcrux because I know people like it. I think it's.
1: I think it's just part of the theme that Harry has to do it alone, and what would be the point of not having Dumbledore around anymore if someone else was going to come along and exactly? Take his place. It's going to yep.
4: fill in exactly. And could Dumbledore have of given her any sort of information before he died? Vital information would have been mm-hmm. given to Harry. I think some of maybe the order stuff like the this is what should happen this is what should happen to the school would go to McGonagall but anything of like importance like to defeating Voldemort would be a Harry
1: exclusive.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> 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 it's like Warner brothers.
0: <laughs> Harry exclusive. Harry exactly. Exclusive. Exclusive. So she's been a transfiguration teacher all these years. We think she's going to be become the headmistress could she
4: possibly teach harry give harry a few extra lessons in transfiguration that could help him i don't think so well, i think that harry is on his own yeah. but why not help her <laughs> help her out help him out because he is separating himself from the school and in doing that i don't see him getting involved in the school in any way i think he should if it's my hope at least, that he's going to be self-taught, and anything from here on out that he needs to defeat Voldemort will be learned by Harry himself.
1: I also think that in terms of storytelling, there's a lot that needs to be accomplished in Book 7, and I'm not sure we're going to have time to see Harry go learn all sorts of new tricks.
0: Unless it's vital to what he does to get another Horcrux.
4: Yeah, maybe every once in a while. All he has to do is transfigure into
0: some small, unmovable object, (laughs) and he's safe from being spotted from wherever he is. (laughs) Uh,
1: Or someone will turn him into a horcrux.
0: Yeah, there you go. So now let's move on to some voicemails. Finally! Yes! After two weeks! Oh my god, we have voicemails! We started getting getting emails of concern. The people thought we canceled it. Yeah, And uh, Kevin just... Cancelled his interest in Cast for two weeks. That's basically what happened.
4: I did not.
5: (laughs) Hi, my name is Blake from Long Island, New York. And I was wondering why in the first book, McGonagall was mentioned as an animagus. And then throughout the rest of the series, it was never mentioned again. So, thank you. I love your show. Bye-bye.
4: I would say that either, one, she never had the opportunity to mention it, or two, it's going to be used in Book 7 in a specific way, and she doesn't want to reveal all the implications of being an Animagus. Or 3, she had no reason to
0: turn in into a uh... cat
4: every five right. seconds. She had no seven. reason to
1: turn also, into a cat. Yeah. it was convenient for Prisoner of Azkaban because Hermione went and looked up the rosters for everyone who was an Animagus, and she went to look up Professor McGonagall, and it was just a convenient part of the storyline, for her to show that none of the Marauders were registered Animagus's thingies.
4: guy. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I just coined a new word.
1: Yay, Kevin, you get a gold star.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Alright, now it's time to head into one McGonagall voicemail, then we'll go into some general voicemails. You guys ready? Kevin, you ready? It's been a long time. Here we go.
5: Hey guys, this is Kate from Chicago, and I was just wondering what you all thought of fanfiction. fiction. Are you a fan of it yourselves, or do you think fan fiction is just for delusional kids who have no time on their hands? Personally, I think fanfiction fiction is a great time consumer between H.P. releases, movie, or books. What do you think? Thanks.
0: Bye. Yeah, it is a great way to fill up time uh, between books and movies, besides listen to our show, of course. Um, too bad Ben's on here because he is a big fan of fan fiction. Me personally, no. What about you guys?
4: Same. I think it skews my opinions of the book, so I yeah. don't
1: read it. I used to read a lot of fan fiction, obviously, because I used to moderate over at MuggleNet Fan Fiction. But prior to that, I'd say.
4: Especially the dirty stuff.
1: Yeah, and, you know, actually, we did get some dirty McGonagall stuff, but I'm not going to bring that up here. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> No, I used to, I'd say between the ages of 13 and 15, I read a lot of fan fiction. Um, There was a period for a few months where I actually wrote quite a lot of fan fiction. And I think it's really good if you're pursuing a writing career, whether it be in journalism, being a novelist, whatever. it's, It's a good way to tone your skills because Harry Potter is such a complex and diverse type of story that you can come up with so many theories and just... Elaborate on them, and I think it's a really, really good output. Yeah, and some of them. So keep writing. Some of
0: them are beautifully written. Uh, what? Yeah, what about?
1: There's some great stuff out yeah. there.
4: Well, well, yeah. I mean, they're good reads. It's just that I probably won't start reading them until after the final book. And yeah, that's it. true.
2: On the other hand, there's some really scary stuff mm-hmm. out there. But
0: what? Are, what are I your thoughts that- on it, Rachel?
2: Um. Well, I used to read fanfiction before I like. I think it was uh, sophomore year in high school. I used to read it a lot, but that was before I had my job on MuggleNet. So now I don't read read it as often because, yeah,
4: you have no time. I have right? no
2: time because I'm always working for the site. Mm-hmm. But I used to write quite a um, quite a bit of fan fiction. Not really a lot, but mostly one shots. And I used to even be a beta for some fan fiction. Site. I don't. I don't even remember what it was named. But yeah, I used to read it a lot. It's it's really cool. Like some of the stories I used to read were awesome. But yeah, I don't read as many of them
1: anymore. I also oh, think well. that when you work for a site like MuggleNet and just any other Harry Potter site, you pretty much see all the theories. Yeah. yeah that <laughs> And it's kind of redundant to read fan fiction.
0: I mean, it's not like fan fictions really break through on a lot of theories either.
1: No, but there I can think of a couple that I read that I thought were just really outstanding picked up on things that I hadn't noticed in the books. So there are definitely some talented people out there.
4: Although you know what I would like to see those people de- who are devoting their time to writing Harry Potter fan fiction to writing mm-hmm. a book.
1: Well, yeah. I I think that I think that that's what people do because I mean I don't write fan fiction anymore. I write my own stories now. And I really think that writing fan fiction sort of helped me find my ground, sort of helped me find my writing style and kind of showed me what I wanted to do and what I wanted to write about. So, I think it's a good thing and I think a lot of people do sort of break through from fan fiction to their own fiction once they become more adult. Yeah.
4: And I I do think that it's a there are some people who get stuck on it though, you know, like they aren't mm-hmm. willing to take the next step to try to write their own material and it's somewhat disappointing because they are writing such good fan fiction, you know they could be writing very good books, you know. So
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't think I I think there are some fandoms you see that more in <laughs> than than Harry Potter. There are some fandoms where fan fiction is <laughs> kind of
5: horrifying.
4: Yeah, I could imagine.
5: <laughs> this is James from Southern California. My question is that there's been a lot of debate on Mugglecast lately about whether it would take more than one Avada Kedavra to kill Hagrid with a giant skin or a dragon. But it says in Book 4, the fake in Moody said there's no counter curse, there's no blocking it, referring to Avada Kedavra. And I think there's no blocking it refers to not nothing being able to block it. Even dragon skin or whatever. Just like to hear your comments. Love the show. Bye.
4: Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think there's any blocking it, because if there was any blocking it, then not as many people would be afraid of it. You know. Right. Yeah. Hagrid
0: so, might be more prone to fight it. He might not be as much of as a wuss.
4: Yeah, but I honestly believe it would yeah. kill Hagrid in one hit or a dragon in one hit, whether or not...
1: Well, I think that there are good points raised on both ends. I believe it was Ben who said it during the Hagrid episode that if you walk up to someone with a baseball bat, a normal person, you're going to do a lot of more damage to them as if you walked up to a dragon and hit them with a baseball bat. On the other hand, if it's a curse that can't be blocked, then it's reasonable to assume that it is a curse that could kill anyone, no matter their size or power.
4: Not to mention, we're not, uh, who says it's even going to work on a dragon? For all we know, it complete. you know, the curse is only against humans.
1: It's exclusive to humans? Yeah, it's possible.
4: I mean, I think I've read theories where they said it actually, like, tears a person's soul away from their body or something like that. Well, but
1: then... Um, Moody, Moody used it against the spider Well the true. imposter That's Moody true. used it against the spider That's and uh, true.
5: it of fire. So
4: I guess it works for all of them and it kills all of them in one hit.
5: <laughs> hey, this is Robert from Seminary, Florida and I was wondering if you could speak partial tongue do you think that you could make say a snake your secret keeper and another thing what happened to a this two-way m- mirror that he gave to Harry they didn't mention it in Half of Clinton. I was really thinking they were going to do something like that. So, i love
1: let show. I guess that depends on. Why would you make your snake a secret keeper, though? Well, I guess the reason you would do something like that is not that many people are parcel tongs And it's not so like. So, it's not likely well, um... that your snake is going to go blab to somebody. So... True. And it's
4: not likely that they'd suspect that person as being your secret keeper in the first place. Yeah, as exactly. To manipulate them, you know, because
1: that's an interesting theory, though. I like I, that.
4: And but also, in that case, wouldn't it be wise of Voldemort to make Nagini, Nagini his secret keeper for hiding the Horcruxes, and then that's they'd be cool. unfindable unless you had the snake.
2: That's. But it's definitely something that taken as we know they have
4: found them so Yeah. It's an interesting hmm. possibility. I don't know how to. Yeah, it is. I don't think we can fully answer that. I mean, it's a possibility that yeah. Yes, it could be that you could make an animal your secret keeper, but the implications to that aren't all that great.
1: Yeah, and as for Sirius's two-way mirror, Joe, I believe, did say that we were going to find out something about that, and I think that something that everyone needs to remember is there is one more book, and obviously not everything is going to be answered in Half-Blood Prince.
5: Hi, this is Summer from Alexandria. I was just uh, curious as to, is there a way that you could transform into an animal and back from an animal by yourself that um, does not require you to be an animagus. Because in the fourth book, uh, Crumb transfigures his head into a shark. I mean, that's at least partial transformation. And Moody um, and Mad Eye turns um, Draco into a ferret. And it's just that might be a way that you could transfigure yourself, or at least somebody else could transfigure you. Thanks. Bye.
4: Um, I think the only benefit to becoming an animagus is. One, a more personal connection to the actual sh- shape you become. And two, I don't think it requires a wand, does it?
1: No. I don't think, th- think so. Because
4: No, it doesn't, because um, Pettigrew did yeah, not have a wand when he was tried say. to transform into a rat.
1: Well, wait, hang on. I'm not Am sure right? if I'm no? confusing the book and the movie, I, I think but I, it I, seems uh, yeah. like I remember... I remember when um, Remus dropped his wand in Prisoner of Azkaban he when he and started to transform. Yeah, but I'm kind of I'm kind of having this thought that maybe you can transfigure yourself into an animal, but it's not a permanent thing, you know. Like whereas being an animagus, you animagus, yeah. however you pronounce it, you can turn into one and stay that way the rest of your life if you want to.
4: Yeah. So 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 the transformation may. Make- it's limited by your magical ability, right. whereas an animagus, you can, you know, it's not limited by your strength or.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as we saw, Crum couldn't even fully transfigure himself into a shark. It was yeah. just his head.
4: So it's obviously some heavy
2: magic. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yep.
0: Okay. Oh wait, hold on, guys! Before we get to the Dune Club, uh, I think I hear a knock at the uh, Mugglecast uh, studio door. Uh, Kevin, can you go see where that is? I I'm yeah yeah Get one up. sec just okay hello it is it's right over there around the right yeah. There.
6: yeah you guys want some cookies oh my god oh, close oh, the door oh it's a Girl
0: Scout <laughs>
6: oh oh no it's a Girl
0: Scout they're selling cookies again wait that that's Eric Skold dressed in a Girl Scout uniform uh Eric shouldn't you be like, recording the
6: show rather than selling Girl Scout cookies I just thought I'd help out in the community you know doing my part Andrew. <laughs> doing my oh, part by right. wearing a skirt <laughs> well, and prancing about with cookies. And he,
0: so, look, isn't that something you you put on your headset and you walked right over to the uh, studio table here and uh, it's amazing because we're all in one room. It's well, just,
6: just see, I figured by doing this, I not only sell cookies but I, you know, I, I mean, you guys, what, six people here, so I, I'm gonna sell a lot of cookies. You'll all buy no, my cookies, uh, won't you?
0: This would be uh, five. You'll it's, all buy uh, five my cookies people. anyway, right? Yeah, of course. So uh, thanks for joining us, Eric. Uh, you were actually you were actually working at the uh, movie theater. Yes. And your fine, fine job. Yep. Sell many tickets. Um. What What was the hit movie this weekend? Hit movie, hit, hit
6: movie so far. Well, it's only Friday, so. Yeah. Well, Friday night. Uh, Friday night hit movie. What was it? I'd have to say date movie. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> movie. D- date movie movies getting getting lots of reviews, uh, lots of good people coming up to us for no reason and saying that was a really good movie you should go see it and we feel bad because we can't really see it so
4: do they allow you to Why see the movies
6: uh we get to peek in if we if all our other jobs are done
4: <laughs> no i mean do they have like um like the 12 o'clock screeners
6: yeah yeah well there there will be a screening of date movie tomorrow night but uh, unfortunately uh pennsylvania residents i can't get you in it's, it's kind of employees only.
0: What about New Jersey residents?
6: Yeah, well, that <laughs> m- may for you, but nobody else. Oh. Okay.
0: Well, thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll head
6: straight out yeah, there. I, the safe I, I box. have a strange feeling that somehow I'm going to find out that, that, that like 300 people listen to MuggoCast right next door to me and we're all <laughs> want in on this movie. And, you know, they've never contacted me before. I've never heard from anybody, but I have a strange feeling.
0: Well, as most of you know... The Dueling Club is where two co-hosts pick a wizard or witch behind the other person's back, and at the same time, they give each other their character, and then they figure out who would possibly win. It's an exciting new twist on the Dueling Club on MuggleCast.
6: It's so exciting. One, it's so exciting two.
5: It's
6: so exciting it warrants five seconds of silence.
5: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Uh, often imitated, never duplicated. Okay, so on three. Ready, girls?
6: <laughs> ready, Andrew! <laughs>
0: Seriously, what's how so many funny?
6: T- how many times have we had that many girls on the show where we can just say, ready, girls?
0: I know. <laughs> I know. <It's laughs> so like... You should. Ready, know. boys, and Laura? <laughs> okay. Okay. On three. One, Two, three.
1: Car- professor <laughs> Flitwick. I think I think Professor Flitwick would win just because he's so advanced at charms and he's well, yeah, obviously a teacher. Well, yeah, you cheated.
2: You got a professor. I got students.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to defend, yeah, defend your character. And be like, uh, I know.
2: Well, be he's like... he's well, he's kind of like an earhead, but <laughs> I don't think there's enough. <laughs> no, I
1: think Flitwick is definitely far more magically advanced. Cormac can oh, you, could you, ever give, you don't
2: give Cormac enough credit. He, he, he might seem like an idiot or, or, or a jock or something. But, but he's I, really a sweetheart. Or like he has an <laughs> <ad> <laughs> really Well, see, his temper might work, because then he might like curse you out. Yeah, he all. might it's sit like, on Flitwick. Yeah, see? He doesn't need his wand.
6: <laughs> he's got he could his him fists.
2: <gasps> and he wins! There. <laughs> see, I win. There you go. <laughs>
6: Yay Rachel, <laughs> yeah. she's won her first
2: <laughs> Yay. Oh please, oh please
0: Well I think that does do it For this episode of Mungo cast Episode, what is this 28? 28 Ser- Seriously, after, once we got into the 20s I just lost count I'm like, for some reason I can't remember Well that's because you can't Count over 20 <laughs> Oh right, Kevin can divide by yes. zero, right. So. He
6: would whoop Goyle yeah. Any day <laughs>
0: Yeah, you would divide by zero. You'd think there's some theory behind it.
1: Wow, it's <laughs> been 20 episodes so, since my first
6: since
4: mine.
6: Um, uh, since mine. Uh, It's been 25 since mine. 25 since mine. It's been... 28 since <laughs> <It's Wait. been>,
3: mine. <laughs> I've been
0: on every episode. I'm so proud of myself. You should, you be. should be proud You've of edited myself. almost every episode. <laughs> I'm sick of it. 28, uh, when you think about it,
6: hasn't really been that much. <laughs> No, it has. When you I think guess, about it, think of that, hours. and then think of it like five, six months, like half a year. Oh my god! I mean, that's what it's been. It's it's been half a year. Yeah, twenty-eight. There's fifty-two, so
4: two two weeks
6: ago it was like your half. I year. can't wait
0: for our year anniversary.
4: Aww. It's gonna be a fun show. We're going to have a hazing.
0: Well, it's going to be right after Vegas. We'll have to record <laughs> something down in Vegas and then put it out on August 4th. So once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Kevin Stack.
1: I'm Laura Thompson. I added some force to that.
0: And Eric, thank you for joining us at the end this week. It's always good to have you on.
6: Uh, thank you, Andrew, for having me. On. We'll
0: see everyone next week for episode twenty-nine, and don't forget that you can send in your questions, concerns, comments, complaints, whatever you want to MuggleCast at staff.mugglenet.com. And also, if you have a question for us next week concerning Remus Lupin, who is the character we'll be going in depth on, please send those into voice at staff.mugglenet.com or call it in at one two one eight twenty magic.
5: Hey guys, this is Chroma from Michigan, and I just wanted to thank you for episode 27, because it was just awesome. I mean, I was having, like, a really bad week before that, and it cheered me up. It was so hilarious. And not only that, but it was kind of a good luck charm. I mean, the next day, I found out I was going to Luma. So, thank you. just Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm sort of tripping over my words now, but <clears> thanks. <throat> Hey, Michael Cass. Anna from Maryland. And I just wanted to call and say how much I love your show. And Kevin, you roll. You're my favorite. I love you guys a lot. And keep up with the great work. And I love watching the New York Live podcast. Uh, great job, guys. You're hilarious. And Laura, I love you, too. Bye. Hey, this is Taylor Newman from Eatin Up It's Michigan. Laura, you rock, man. But I think a little mad about episode 26 because Laura, she could do so much better than that, man. Putting me down low on her show, boo. But I love your show. Okay, bye. Hey, all you Mugglecasters, this is Jeffrey calling from California, and I have got one single thing to say about Mugglecast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright! Thanks. Bye. Hi, this is Laura from Ohio. I love your show. I've been listening ever since it came out. I was really excited because I just got my iPod. Keep up the good work. Hi, this is uh, Spencer, and I just wanted to say i been having a lot of fun watching the video, and Michael looks like a young John Stewart, which is really creepy. Yeah. Bye.
0: Yeah. Well, in previous shows, we had said, well, could Hagrid possibly block it? Because he's got that... (laughs) It seems kind of dumb when you think about it. He's got the coat on, which some... We we had thought, well, maybe that helps. But then he's got
4: a thick layer of
1: skin. The coat? Huh? The coat?
4: The coat. Yeah, apparently there's something (laughs) with the coat. Have you seen that coat? He has
0: everything in that coat. You never know. Well, it could it have mean, some sort that of. Does, it could. That
1: doesn't mean it deflects. I know. Stuff. I
0: know. That's why I just said it's kind of <laughs> stupid. But one of. Uh, yeah. Uh,
1: no, I'm just. I'd never heard of a theory that Hagrid's coat could deflect. That's what <laughs> we said. Currents. That's what we
0: said on the show a few weeks ago.
1: No, we were talking about his skin. His yeah, giant that's what skin. I
0: yeah, then we were talking about Coat because then I was like, oh yeah He's got the sausage hanging out of it It's, oh, it's not
1: No No, 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 no. what happened was No, apparently you don't <laughs> No, no, no
0: Where is that Hagrid doll for the second time? Go ahead
1: No, no <laughs> What happened was Eric said If that were the case, people would be Buying Hagrid skin coats
2: yeah
1: <laughs> like coats made out of giant skin All right. and dragon skin I'll
0: just take
4: <laughs> okay.